All right. I better be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. John chapter 12, verse 35. Let's, let's read it. Uh, so Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. And when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still not, did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Check this out. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they cannot believe, for again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes, and understand with the heart and turn, and I would heal them. So Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Amen. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. For if anyone hears my word and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has spoken. So let me just kind of break this down uh, for us if I can. Uh, Jesus' public ministry is now over. Like, it's done. Jesus is like, you know, I love that where he just kind of disappears out into the distance. It's like, this is it, y'all. The next time you see Jesus, he's going to be on trial. And this is what we have is the, the Passion Week of Jesus, where Jesus is put on trial and he's eventually crucified. And so right now, Jesus here, this is it. He's given them this last call. Y'all probably heard that before, hadn't you? Last call. Some of y'all probably heard that last night. Mm -hmm. Anyway. And the people here, what we see here is, an, is a glimpse of God that we really don't like to talk about. What you see here is, a, is something that God does, but a lot of times we don't like to talk about because we don't like that idea of God. This is God where his patience has an end. Think about that for a second. God's patience actually has an end. Now, don't think that's God being very impatient. You've got you to think about this for a second. God has been very patient with these people for hundreds of years since them being uh, free from captivity. God has been extremely patient because you've gotten uh, prophets on the scene that tells them, like, come on, y'all, repent. The glory of the Lord is near. Like, he's coming. He's coming. What are the children of Israel? They would have the prophets killed. And so here in this moment, hundreds of years since them being freed from captivity, 
we finally see that the light's about to be turned down in, in Jordan. That's the night when the lights turn out. And <laughs> I've been waiting for that joke for a long time. Yeah, your light's been turned out with That's all right. But you see a lot better than most people. They've continued all the way up for hundreds of years. And finally, Jesus is like, y'all, this is it. This is your last call. Don't see not just the impatience of God, but I want you to see something right here in this last moment for the Jewish people. Jesus is still trying to give them an on-ramp into his grace. So if we see this, we have this angst in our heart, like, how can God, a loving God, have an end to his patience? Listen, right here at the end, Jesus is still telling them, walk in the light. Don't walk in darkness. So it's very interesting. And so when I read this, I thought about the question, like, why do we still have belief in our world, disbelief in our world? For these Jewish people, like, why is there still disbelief among them? And there's probably several answers to that, but if you'll, you'll think uh, with me in context here, right after Jesus heals Lazarus, the crowds are awestruck. I mean, they're like, that's pretty awesome. Jesus raised a dead man, and the guy's been dead for four years? Four days, not years. That would be even more epic, but it's still epic that he'd been dead for four days, and Jesus raised him. And so these crowds are like, oh, yeah. This is it, boy. This is the Messiah. This is whom that we have been waiting for. And so the next uh, few days after that, on Monday, they come heralding out into Jerusalem with Jesus riding on a donkey, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, King of the Jews. He's here, y'all. But then something happens. Jesus does some crazy things. According to the other Gospels, right after they're heralding Jesus as the king of the Jews. Jesus goes and does something that's uh, not very conventional if you're the king of the Jews. He goes into the Jewish temple, and he attacks it. I mean, Jesus just goes all like madman on this temple, flipping tables, whipping things around. Like, that's, that's the Jesus I like. You know what I'm saying? The violent Jesus. I mean, he probably wasn't violent, but I mean, he wasn't hurting people. But, you know, he's coming in like destroying stuff. And you got you to gotta think about the Jewish people. They're thinking, wait a minute. Why? Why ain't he attacking the Ro Roman religious system? Why is he attacking the Jew? Why is he attacking our Jewish religious temple here? And then in this passage, right before we got to verse 35, Jesus said some crazy things, and he said, he gives this parable of his death, and then he says, I'll be lifted up, which is just a metaphor of him saying, I'm going to be crucified, y'all. And here's what I believe broke the, uh, the camel's back for the Jewish people, because their Messiah wasn't supposed to die. Their Messiah was supposed to be the militant leader who come and led them from the oppression of the Romans. And so now you get this little frustration among the Jewish people.
the tides because we apparently can't <laughs> apparently can't afford batteries around this camp. <laughs> I feel like I didn't start the sermon over. I forgot where. I was. So why is the question? Why the unbelief? Why, from the Jewish perspective, is there so much unbelief here? I think there's two reasons to it. I think the first reason is, is their view of Jesus is way off. Again, they want militant Jesus. They want Jesus who would come and rid them of the oppressive rule. Their Jesus was a militant leader. Their Jesus was, was one that would ransom them and save them for their, from, from their circumstances. Not the Jesus who would save them from their sin. And so I think if this is telling of anything for us as believers is that you got to make sure you got your right Jesus. And that's so critical. And y'all probably heard me say that a million times, but it's so true for us in our culture today. Are you serving the right Jesus? Because there are tons of Jesuses out there, but they're not the right Jesus. There's only one Jesus and there's only one way to that Jesus. You got the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witness, who's the brother of Satan, Michael the Archangel. You've got, or, or that's the, uh, the J-Dub, he, he's brother, he's Michael the Archangel, which is very strange. The LDS Jesus, created from offspring, heavenly father, spirit, mother, very weird. You've got the Muslim Jesus who was a prophet and just a good man. And then there's the fallacy of the prosperity gospel Jesus who gives you everything that you ever desire. You can create your own reality and Jesus will give it to you. Jesus is there to be your bellhop. Jesus is there to be your genie in a bottle which is just as wicked as these other Jesuses that these occults believe in. So you got to ask yourself the question, am I serving the right Jesus? Because that's critical in our culture today. There's only one Jesus. Because if you get the right Jesus, then you get the right God. Because that's very important for us to, to have. And you got to think about this whole idea of, of I could speak whatever I want. Like if this is the prosperity Jesus, if it's the word of faith Jesus, that I could name it and claim it, and Jesus will give me whatever I want. You know what you're doing? You're looking for signs. Let's see how good that worked out for them. Read the Old Testament. Read the Old Testament. These people just witnessed Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. And so the sign still wasn't good enough for them. I recently watched a uh, debate on YouTube. It was an atheist, two atheists, and these two very smart Christian men. And this one atheist, now the one, one, of the, one of the two atheists was pretty calm and cool and collect. You know, he had, a, he had a good attitude about himself. But the other atheist, he was angry. This is no joke. Like, he was like, if your God is the God of signs, then you will call. I mean, this was like so Old Testament stuff, what he was doing. Like, then you'll call God down right now, and he'll perform a miracle right now in front of us. And so he took antifreeze, 
No joke. Poured it in a cup, and he said, if your God is the true God, then drink it, and nothing will happen from you. I'm like, bro, you have lost your mind. Yeah, exactly. He ain't got no brain. And that's the generation that we live in, always looking for a sign, God to do something big, spectacular. Where if the only thing he ever does for you is just save you from your sins, is that enough? Is that enough for you, friends? And for these Jewish people, it wasn't enough because they wanted God to save them from their circumstances. And they weren't after Jesus saving them from their sins. So we have some, some, some reasons to their disbelief, and I would even venture to say we've got some reasons for disbelief in our culture today. And one of them is you've got to get the right Jesus. Because if you get him wrong, then you get God wrong, and you get everything wrong. Then this other thing is that thing that I was talking about earlier, one of those things you just want to kind of skip over in the Bible. This other thing, the reality of why they have continued disbelief is he hardened their hearts. Now, we don't like that God. God hardened their hearts. He's quoting from Isaiah 53, and they could not believe. And I don't think it's because they didn't have the freedom to believe. Surely they could have believed. But watch what happens over hundreds of years. Continue disbelief. Continue saying that this is not the right way. My way is better. And over time, gradually, after them continuously saying, my way's better, God, look what happened. Eventually, God turned them over to the depravity of their own thinking. That's scary, y'all. One of the most scariest things in the Bible. And perhaps the scary thing about that is that I don't know when God turns out the lights. I do know that he's patient. I do know that he's a, a grace-filled God who has lavished his love. I do know that there's an opportunity for you. I just don't know when he eventually turns you over to the depravity of your heart and to, of your mind. And I don't think anybody can answer that question, but hear me. If you are not a believer in this room this morning, you hear the message of the gospel. You hear that God has come to save you from your sins, and yet you still reject him for who he is. Friends, you better respond now because I don't know when God turns out the lights for you. Eventually, God turns out the lights for these people. And that doesn't mean that he's an unjust God. Remember, he's been after these people, pursuing after these people for hundreds of years. Notice how the first part of John began. John 1, verse 11, he came to his own, and look, his own people didn't receive him. And notice now how the last part of Jesus' ministry ends. Here he is, and yet still there are people who do not believe in him. Now, good news is, all right, because that was pretty dark. <laughs> but the good news is that because of their disbelief, 
in their disobedience, talking about the Jewish people here, because of their rejection of Jesus, <laughs> what does Romans chapter 11 says? Because of the Jewish rejection of Jesus, we have salvation now for the Gentiles. Oh, boy. I know I ain't supposed to re rejoice over people's, you know, bad choices and mistakes, but thank God they had some disbelief. Because watch now, if they didn't have the disbelief, then there wouldn't have been a cross. If they didn't have the disbelief, then there wouldn't have been salvation. That's what Romans says. So thank God it was all a part of God's plan. Hear me, church. God doesn't fail. So he wasn't in heavens. Uh, his plan wasn't thwarted by the disbelief of his own people that he chose. He wasn't up in the heavens in the holy huddle with Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Holy Spirit, this is all on you. This is all on you. I don't know what to do now. No, this was God's plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. This was all a part of God's plan. And thank God, because now we get to participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we get to participate in the freedom of our sins because yeah. people disbelieve. That's, that's weird and crazy how it sounds. But it was all a part of God's plan that he had. And there's a terrifying reality being presented in this passage this morning. One that ain't popular to preach. One that does not grow the crowds. In fact, it may shrink the crowds. <laughs> and the thought of is that this could be your last call. I know I may sound like one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers right now. If you walk out of here right now and you die, you don't say, y'all remember that when you grew up? If you walk out of this room right now and you die, where are you going to be? But seriously, though, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Y'all, it's your last call, and my soul pleads with you this morning. And if you have continuously been rejecting the gospel of Jesus, one day, friends, the lights are going to be turned off for you. And do not let that happen to you. I do not care what people think about me, nor am I for the approval of men. I care more about the approval of God for me. And I care more about your souls. Please do not reject the gospel. Because the reality of it is, is that God is calling you, friends. He's wooing you. He is here now. And it could be your last call. And if not, church, I don't know when the lights will be turned out for you. But do not let that be today. Hear the grace of God in this. Hear the love of God in this. That the fact that you're here now hearing me plead for your soul is evidence of the Holy Spirit still moving in your life, still drawing you to him, still calling you into himself. You may hear me yelling, 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 but it's because I love you. And sometimes I do like to yell because it's a part of my personality. But it's also because I love you. And I want you to be saved. I want your souls right with the Lord. 
Don't let it be your last time you hear the gospel, church. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your gentleness.